0: Welcome to What in the World? Language Podcast. I'm here today with Meredith White. Meredith is a Spanish 1 and Spanish 2 teacher just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to the show, Meredith.
1: Yay! Thank you for having me.
0: How are you doing today?
1: So far, so good. It's Sunday. I don't go back till Tuesday, so I don't have the Sunday scaries, but I'm anticipating the Monday scaries.
0: You just, so you'll just put off today, which you can do tomorrow, right?
1: Exactly. 100%. <laughs>
0: the, the Sunday scaries is real. It's like the fear, the, the, the pain is real. You see it, you see it on social media. Teachers are like, oh my God, I think I read someone completed their stuff last night. So they have all day to day free. Can you imagine? Amazing, Right,
1: right. <laughs> it's, and it's like early too, before I started really creating, um, really forging some boundaries for myself and saying, you know, kind of defining what it was I was and wasn't going to do on the weekends. And the Sunday's scary, like early, like 10 a.m. And i look at the clock and be like, oh, day's over. Like, <laughs> that's it. What are we doing? And I'd start feeling like, you know, my heart would be a little, my stomach would be upset. Yeah, it's a total, it's a real thing.
0: It's a real Absolutely. thing. I feel mm-hmm. like I have that most days though. Um, yeah, fair. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm like, I got to okay I need to shift this lesson <laughs> so which is funny because the kind of what we were talking about today is really going to touch on mm. possibly eliminate I doubt I doubt you can ever eliminate the Sunday mm. fear of the week ahead maybe. right maybe, maybe. right maybe. maybe a little bit right mm-hmm. so today we're going to chat a bit about organizational equity right um, from a Twitter post you made this is something I observed. Uh, Um, And I really like this notion, especially now during pandemic teaching, Um, because as humans, we're social creatures, or at least most of us, right? And Mm -hmm. it seems our brains can't really handle much ambiguity, um, especially when things are constantly in flux. And this is important for our students, especially now, and especially those dealing with a trauma of some sort. So the clarity and security of knowing the what, the when, the where, like you say, the how, when it comes to assignments, is equitable. It's comfort. It's, a, it's an assuredness, right? And uh, like I said, I like recently what you said on Twitter on this idea of organizational equity and about being clear and transparent with our students, right? And so I'm going to quote you. Uh, I am not tasked, and this is, this is from a post on Twitter, right? I'm not tasked with figuring out what to grade and how to grade it Rather, I can focus on the path we take to get there and how my course and team, shout out to teamwork, right, and I can create resources together that um, benefit each other and all of our students as a whole. And this leads to my first question. And as you stated in that same Twitter post, uh, organizational equity is a thing, so tell us, Meredith, what were, you, what were you meaning with that post? What is organizational equity and, and why is it important?
1: I think to me, organizational equity comes down to uh, accessibility and accessibility in terms of how hard or complex is it for students to figure out, this is going to sound overly simple, but for students to figure out what they need to do. Um, and I think of it kind of in three time frames. Uh, and it could be as simple as like, how many clicks? How many clicks is it in those three time frames? I think of them as like present, past, and future. How complex, how many clicks does it take for them to figure out what they're supposed to be doing now, what they've already done and how they did that, and then where we're going in the future? So is our planning and our grading, are those things connected and aligned Um, are they named the same way? You know, do we call things classwork one in the grade book, but then when we're posting on our, you know, in Canvas or uh, PowerSchool or wherever, are we calling them like Flipgrid something something? You know, how hard is it to figure out what, you know, what this means in terms of my grade and what this means in terms of what I need to do today, tomorrow, down the line um, from a student perspective? Because I've, I've been of the belief for a while, but especially during the pandemic, where ah, it's all crazy, is fewer clicks is more engagement. Um, and the fewer mysteries that students have to solve, you know, we love breakout boxes for education, but our lesson plans shouldn't be a breakout box. You know, it shouldn't be like figure out this combination and solve this you know, thing and use these markers and you know, right. flashlights and all this special stuff just to figure out what they're gonna do today. Because I know as a professor That might be the thing that annoys me the most is to get to those HR videos that we have to do in district training. It's like seven different things to get. I just want to do bloodborne pathogens. So I got to log in. Then I got to click on the thing and I got to remember my username and the district code and my school building had a fit. Okay. And then I got to add it to my PD. I'm annoyed. And I haven't even done any of the bloodborne pathogen. I haven't even gotten to the content. And I think we have to put ourselves in our students' positions in that way. Like, how long is this gonna take for them to go? Oh, this is why my grade is this way. Okay, today's Wednesday. I need to do these assignments. And here's what I need to keep in mind for Friday. We always have a quiz, you know, or that kind of thing. How are we, how often are we telling students and how much in advance, kind of what's going on and how they're how they should be navigating through what they're doing now, what they already did, and then what we're going to do. I see that as an accessibility and an equity issue.
0: So the equity lies in the the clarity, right? And in-
1: Absolutely. The equity lies in the clarity. And I think the equity lies in the perspective. Most of my students don't have their own personal device that they can just be sitting on their comfortable bed, you know, on their bedspread, like with internet that has no problems um, and, and, and they don't have the luxury of time that allows them to look around on our learning management system let on our LMS. explore e
0: canvas let me just oh, Thank you. Let what
1: me does just this take tab do just a brief tour just the scenic they don't have time for the right. scenic tour period like they need the quickest the birds eye view like quickest quickest way to get to what they're going to do um and i need to i need to have some some clear, like you said, absolutely, like clarity, some clear perspective when I'm not only designing activities, because we talk a lot about equity and representation in like the activities themselves, but finding them, like just finding them and figuring out what they need to do and why they're doing it. How is it going to help them? Is it just busy work? Is it just go through this whatever, whatever, because she thinks we need like three activities every day Mm. or like what? What's the point? Why do I care? And also, where can I find it? I find that the first two, I find the what's the point and the why do I care, kind of go by the wayside if they're able to find it quicker. They're Mm. much less likely to go, this is a lot of work. And I don't see the point when, if the bloodborne pathogens was like, oh, an emailed link, if they just emailed you a link and said, here are the HR modules, we'll just email you a direct link. And you were like, oh, okay, click, click. Oh, I'm logged in. Cool. Oh, yeah. Let me go ahead and start. Right. That's the same thing for students. They go, "Let me go ahead and start. Let right. me get this done." And yeah. they're focused on the thing, not where to find the thing. And I think that's important.
0: It is important, and and you you create that like the bloodborne pathogen thing is hilarious because I have to do that God, every year. And it's like I feel like Ugh. creating some bloodborne pathogens trying to get through <laughs> that process. <laughs> no. right? I'm like, geez. I'll
1: show you people bloodborne pathogens. You got to find <laughs> like, some bloodborne, yeah.
0: So, yeah, that clarity is, and it works for everyone. Like, yep. I see zero harm in being clear, right? right. And assignments not being buried uh, in, in whatever you use, Canvas or Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep. our, our district transitioned this year to Canvas right as we decided to go virtual. Right. So we before like we were talking about going to Canvas around February before all of that mm-hmm. hit the fan. Right. Right. Um, right. And people are like, OK, because we use PowerSchool. Right. I use Google Classroom because I'm always that person that's not
1: mm-hmm. going to hate right.
0: PowerSchool. Uh, and then and then so, yeah, it came through. We went all virtual and then they said we're going to go Canvas. And then uh, so an entire district has to learn Canvas as they get ready to go virtual in the fall. And so um, that alone, when we think about organizational equity, right, for our students, that movement alone in transition to a new um, management system was, was uh, there was a lot of hiccups. They did provide training. Shout out to my district. They did, they actually did pretty well. But, I mean, still, even well was, like, not good enough, right? So, uh, students suffered in that. And I saw early on the, clair- the, the benefit of being clear in my assignments. I looked through Canvas. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to label things the same as in my grade book as it is in Canvas. I'm yeah. going to lay it out as clear as possible. I don't do a syllabus. I know some people do a syllabus, um, but I don't, I don't really do a syllabus. But I do lay my, my units out, and the students can see through drop-down menus what's required of them and I right. mentioned earlier the labeling alone and it works for it works for all students even those students that are that do have a luxury and the ability to sit down mm-hmm. with a nice laptop and their solid wi-fi connections and um you know and like oh let's explore because that's mm-hmm. what I knew and then there's yep. other students with jobs and lives and families and other yep. struggles and traumas that are like okay I just need to get this done and don't right. don't be <laughs> Don't give me homework while I'm at home.
1: It's all homework. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Am I alone right. here in that thought? Because I've been trying to process that. Like I haven't, right. I haven't given homework per, like in years. Um, I will if yeah. a student like really wants. There are things students can do at home
1: mm-hmm.
0: to work on their language skills and advance their language skills if they're so inclined. 100%. But I also have students that are like I'm going to work. We get out at 3:40. I got to be at work at 4:30. You know, so I'm not you know, so I deal with a different uh group yeah. of students, so I don't, I don't really give homework. But yeah, that's funny. Like it's under the homework tab. It's not called homework. It's the L2.4 <laughs> and but in the grade book it's labeled right. 2.45 because of B3. Right.
1: Yeah. Right, because I have to well, and I think, like, we joke about the HR videos. Um, I, I Zero people look forward to those. And if you do, you're a liar. Um, if you're like, no, storm drill, love that, you're lying. Um, and I think it's okay for some students to admit that, for some students, our class are the HR videos. Like, for some mm. students, our class is... Is that. Um, you know, is, is a check, is them checking a box? And that's okay. Like, we get so tied up into, I know I, I have, like get so tied up into the emotional piece of like but this matters and i want and and it took me time but that's teacher centering and i think that's teacher luxury centering around our language proficiency around the you know our power structure as teachers like i the great decider this took me three hours and so by golly we're gonna do this online whatever you know that's gonna take that's... If it come hell or high water, darn it, and mm-hmm. you're gonna like it and you're gonna appreciate it, and then and then I'm also gonna talk smack about students that don't do their work because that makes me feel good because I did my part, mm. they didn't do their part. And, you know, I know I was mentioning talking about that with I had three student failures this semester, and I like took it super personally because of you know because they were face to face students, um, and I was like, but we're right here. But you know what? They got bigger stuff going on. And, and, and most of them do. And, and I think it's, I think we have to get past that teacher fear of the, but what if, because a lot of the naming norms, a lot of clarity, um, principles, a lot of the things that allow us to be clearer and to make decisions that help students, uh, feed into teacher fear. But what if they don't do it? but what if they, but what if, but what if, and it comes down to like compliance and the, and the, and the fear of the lack of compliance. And I think we missed the mark on that in a big way.
0: So, yeah, that just goes into that whole process of, you know, designing those lessons, being transparent and giving the students Mm -hmm. the opportunity to see what's expected of them in a clear Mm -hmm. and equitable, equitable Mm -hmm. manner. Right.
1: Absolutely.
0: um, so thinking about all this equity and clarity and lesson planning, designing and being transparent, um, where for you do cultural awareness and competencies here, excuse me, thinking about culturally relevant and sustaining pedagogies, come into mm-hmm. play when designing your lessons via right now, mostly online. I think you're hybrid, right? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm virtual 100% until the end of this month. Uh, perhaps that might change. Mm-hmm. Uh, or So... What do you think about these either hybrid, regular in full class, virtual uh, in the broader context of uh, organizational equity? How is your thinking around this shifted um, during pandemic teaching?
1: Sure. Well, I think I think ultimately, if we're moving students toward uh, you know freedom in their own learning and the ability to choose, but also to critically question what it is we're assigning. Um, you know, we know things come back to relationships and transparency. Uh, again, I, I go back to teacher fear. I really think that if, for example, I'll tell you about my grade book on my in my department across languages and across levels, every unit has um, three little grades two middle grade, like two medium sized grades and one big grade, meaning three, maybe like, let's say classwork grades, right? Like three small um, two quiz grades or medium grades and then one test grade and that's across languages and levels very intentionally so that kids aren't choosing you know this this language because it's easy or this language because um, you know, I heard it's not easy and you really learn a lot. They should all offer those things and, and easy isn't the enemy. I think that's what ultimately feeds into the teacher fear is like but but what if our class is easy? well, by gosh, then good for us. You know, like that's what builds a program. They can't hate us and they can't hate our class and it can't be impossible. And so I'm really thankful for that grading structure because it also means that I'm helping my colleagues. I'm not undermining other things where, oh, in Spanish one, all we did was Senor Woolly. Now in Spanish two, oh, so many quizzes, that's literally not a thing because there aren't any more quizzes and tests and classwork, it's literally the same numbers. Every unit has six grades. So every report card has 18 grades because it's three units of report card. So what's really nice about that is you can tell students like a really great university syllabus on the first day, here's what your grades look like, here's what's gonna be, I set up my grade book, like first couple days of the, whenever the tech person says we can do that. Um, I go ahead and plug everything in. And it's like unit one, unit two, unit three. And I say that to say students, I've never gotten negative students are usually I've never gotten negative feedback about that. And it's usually either gratitude, or surprise or both. um, Because they they can't believe that we can just call a spade a spade like that we can just say, This is what your classwork one grade is. This is what your classwork two grade is. And here's three. There's the three small, right? Two medium, one big, and then cool, unit one. They're like, so what if I, but like I got a 70 on that and go formative. Can I redo that? Yes. Like, please immediately. You know, when I, and I'm going to come back and I don't, you know, really just beat a metaphor to death. But those HR videos, I get a hard sixty the first time, okay, because I don't watch the video because I'm lazy, and then I take it again. You know, thank goodness they give us like three retakes. Love you, Gwinnett County, <laughs> because yes. I, I, I don't put in. I, and it's the same quiz from last year. Why don't I remember? I don't know. Right. But we get so many retakes as adults, and so we can't be unwilling to offer retakes and redos, and we can't be unwilling. So pull back the curtain and go, okay, you know, you want to talk self-empowerment? You want to talk sort of like liberating this whole experience? Here's what you'll be counted on. And here's why. And yes, you can redo it 17 times or until you get the grade that you want. I think teachers fear that that, um, and I, I get it because I've thought it too. It sounds like so much more work and maybe it is, and maybe that's okay. But I I really don't think it is. And I think that's kind of the opposite of abolitionist and anti-racist and equitable teaching is when we teacher center and go, Ooh, unlimited retakes. I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work. Ooh. can you know, telling them ahead of time about their grades. Uh, that sounds like, I mean, what if they don't do anything else, but the graded items. Mm. Okay. What if they don't, I don't look for more HR videos. I'm not right. like guys that tornado one, like really blew my hair back. Can I get a few more just for funsies? No. And for some kids, our class, is like easy is not the enemy. It might just be a box they're checking today, maybe tomorrow they can like breathe, they finish their chemistry, they don't have to work today, they can like really dig in. We can't expect to engage every student every day in every way. And we weren't before. So I don't know who we're, who were you know, trying to, I don't know, compare to when we look at this experience, because when I look at February and before that, you know, you had kids sleeping you had kids in the restroom. You had life was still happening. Right. It's just happening in a super visible way. And, and I, I hope that we can take the ways that we've made a lot of these things more accessible and continue them in the future, because we should have been this transparent all along. We should have been clear and equitable and, and taking the emotional piece out of, but what if, what if they don't go through that Quizlet set and they just go straight to the quiz like I do on the HR videos. Mm-hmm. Like, so what if? I, I don't think we need right. to be scared of the what if. Most of my students, things in the grade book are named the same, exactly like you said, classwork one, classwork two, classwork three. And then in Go Formative, they're called classwork one, classwork two, classwork three. You right. know, like this is it. This is what I'm taking for a grade because this is what I think matters. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately they just appreciate the transparency of like oh so this is what you care about cool i'll make sure to do that because
0: transparency it it is definitely important and i think the what if like with being teacher centered as you as you mentioned earlier is like comes down to really what content when i'm thinking about you know um culturally sustaining pedagogies and what we're presenting to our students a lot of that engagement uh, like you say, it it's inevitable it's going to happen. There's students in our classrooms that mm-hmm. are disengaged or sleeping in the bathroom. And you're like, well, you've been in the bathroom for 45 minutes, man. What did you eat <laughs> last night? Uh, but, you you know,
1: or they come back to the bathroom with chips. I'm like, did like, your bathroom have chips? Where would you get chips? Yeah, they got chips in the toilet? What?
0: Yeah, that <laughs> always baffles me. I'm what? like, you like, come back with like something, a piece of candy in their mouth. And you're like, uh... Right, where did you get that? What is it? Candy in your mouth on the bathroom? Can I go
1: to the bathroom? Come back <laughs> like two aids and Doritos, and I'm like, what? How do you, you know? Oh, I'm in the vending machine. Just say the vending machine. Just say I the need vending to know where machine. where you are.
0: Right, right. Let me know, man. Be honest. You hungry? It's not we'll a work, crime, man. We'll work it Just out. Get your chips. It's so, fine. but a lot of that, a lot of that, um, you know, for me comes down to content. Like students, I find you know? uh, are engaged when they're reflected in our mm-hmm. curriculum. And yeah. I think the organizational equity part has the clarity. They know where they're going. They know what's expected, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that, that provides a sense of comfort, right, for our students, um, mm-hmm. as I men- as we mentioned earlier. But also when, when they're reflected in the content or when you have... When I say reflected, I teach predominantly African American, Hispanic, Latinx -hmm. Latinx students, and uh, so it's important to center their experiences in my classroom and my and my content that I'm teaching, right? Um, And so I see more engagement when I incorporate sort of those principles Mm -hmm. into into my process, along with being being clear. Uh, And I Mm -hmm. will go on the record officially here, saying that um, I envy you and your organizational skills. Because um, I'm constantly like damn, I could do. I think I could tighten this up a little bit, but maybe tomorrow, right? Right. So it's but like I'll do it later. But that that's a. It's important. It is a. It organization is to me equity uh, and having that clarity for students. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the content matters, right? My pedagogy yeah. and how I approach that content, how I teach that content. So, um, yeah. So it seems like for you, I don't think
1: one is more important than the other. No, I was going to say, like, to me, the scariest is, I see it, like you said, like, I see it as a door of, you know, are we opening the door for students and can they see themselves in that next room? You know, I mean, like, that's kind of how, like, is it like, oh, thank you, I'll come right in, you know, like, oh, look, it's me, like that kind of a thing. Is it that experience? Because to me, when you have both of those turned off. You know, if things are really hard to find and your learning management system is a dumpster fire, just a disaster, (laughs) and they can't see themselves, why would they care? Like, why why would, right, why would any, last year, our, again, our HR videos finally had, like, real examples, and they took, you know, the way that, like, Law & Order SVU takes, like, they're like, this is not based on any true case. Right. It totally is. They're, like, taking stuff from the news. That's how our HR videos were. And I'm not kidding. Like part of me was kind of like, that's true because they illuminated the the district policies behind situations that had like for real, for real happened like Mm -hmm. the previous year. Like we'd seen in the news, people got fired, you know, if you're in your office doing this or whatever kind of a thing. And I was like, I actually don't know what that falls under. Or, you know, as a teacher, if this happens or, you know, you do like whatever, whatever. So that was interesting because suddenly I was like, oh, this is this is kind of relevant. And mm-hmm. this is a thing I don't know. I think once we, like you said, once we engage students in things they don't know, they see themselves, there's some natural interest there. It's compelling for whatever reason. And it's easy to find. That's the sweet spot, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So you've said something earlier about when you, you nonchalantly mentioned uh, a student, it's like, oh, can I retake this assessment? You're like, uh, absolutely. Um, so that, that's geared toward mastery learning, right? Um, mm-hmm. And our school is a mastery learning grading school. Mm-hmm. Um, so flexibility, uh, at the uh, question I skipped over for you was, is structure assumed more important than flexibility? I know those aren't necessarily mutually exclusive things, but um, the structure and the flexibility I mean, they're important to me, right? To be to mm-hmm. have a structure, and that is transparent, and to have that um, flexibility, that mastery grading, which allows for that.
1: Absolutely, right? yeah, and I think I think that I think it's it's sort of like um, you know the chicken the chicken and the egg kind of a thing for me. Once there's structure there's endless flexibility right again i'm thankful for my department chair that's like yeah no no no. your grade book will look this way you know you're gonna have those six grades a unit she doesn't micromanage but she's like and she'll say i don't micromanage but this will be this way because it's the most sustainable and equitable thing so like i said i think in the in that tweet that you had mentioned um that spurred our conversation like I no longer am like, what am I going to grade? What am I going to do? Because I know when I was planning, like, I mean, I say was, but like, we all do it. But like, when I was really heavily planning the day before and the night before, it was then coming, it was, what are we going to do tomorrow? Not how are we getting further to our goals tomorrow? Because there were no goals, because I was just figuring out what we were going to do tomorrow. What am I going to teach? I don't know
0: what I'm going to (laughs) grade. I'll get to that (laughs) later.
1: Thank you. Right. I'll get the grade later. Like right. kids, it's like kids asking about the Friday quiz. Like, hey, what's on our quiz Friday? Don't know. I'll figure it out Thursday afternoon. <laughs> like or or you'd be like, thing.
0: well, um, just pay attention, and you'll be okay.
1: Monday through Thursday, just do that because it's gonna be the same thing. Um, and I find teachers just do that, Mary? Pressed. Right. Me imagine, me? imagine what? after recycling a whole pile. Like, yeah, I, I'll cut up on my grading. Whomp into the trash <laughs> can. Um, I think that took the pressure, or I felt it and I feel that, that took the pressure off of me. And it also took that thing off of like, it's okay if the quiz is a little piece from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that's literally backward design, like that's the point. So do that first, you know, and then the planning. So to me, with the structure, because we only take, again, let's say in a unit, in a three week unit, we only take those six grades, yeah, unlimited redos on the three classworks. I can recheck three classworks 87 billion times and the way I lay it out is my students do four different assignments like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and each week that classwork 1 through 3 is just the highest score from those four. Mm. So the biggest fear is always like, well, what if, you know, little Meredith does her classwork on Monday and gets a 95 and then doesn't do anything the rest of the week. Okay, again, that's the teacher, but what if? Right. I don't care. Like, she did her thing. I plug in the 95. Mm-hmm. The consequences are gonna be natural later on down the line. Like, she's gonna take the quiz and go, oh, shoot. You know, like, I haven't right. done anything since Monday. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. So, she's gonna to have to do some more work in order to catch up when it really, if I made it transparent enough, would have been accessible the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. I've had, my students usually say, if you're just on Zoom for like, the 30 minutes, like, you can get an A. I'm like, I know it's all right there. Like, we all did it. But even if they can't, let's, let's get away from the Zoom. Still, they, is there, you know, a video they can watch? Are there other resources that they can go through where you've done, like, a screencast and kind of explain? Because there there will be some work they need to do on their own end. Like, again, homework is, is all the work right now. But regardless, what do they need to be present for?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And can it be on their own schedule as much as possible? Mm -hmm. Maybe not asynchronous, but at least still a little bit independently guided. Um, And and how soon, again, can you say what you're grading and why, and then how often they can retake it, in what form? Um, Because again, grading all those retakes or whatever sounds like a lot of work. And I think that's why a lot of people don't do it. I think they philosophically agree with the fact that life has retakes, life has second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances um especially teachers you know find find me 10 teachers who didn't need to take the certification exam multiple times find me multiple teachers who didn't need to do those hr videos multiple times find me teachers who don't need to go to their tech person and go i know you explained this thing about canvas but i cannot for the life of me find what if our tech people said sorry we sorry. taught you that in august sorry, sorry. you didn't what if that. they said no
0: the video is now closed
1: yeah, we had a module
0: that, open for you to learn, but, I mean, sorry. It, it closed at the end of August. It was open all August, it. though. You missed it. I mean, you really think about it. That is... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same. And, what if
1: they said no? And they don't. Literally, every time they go, oh, come on in, you know, and they show you the clicks and they send you the screenshot picture and you're like, or at least you hope they do. mind you. And it's like, oh, thanks, you know, whatever. There's no no questions asked. There's no questions asked. You can go to the DMV and go... I need a new driver's license. I lost mine. And it's a long story. They don't even know the sordid tale of where your wallet went over the weekend. Like they're okay. just like, okay, give me the, money. Give me the it's going to cost you. It's Retakes cost and reviews are going to cost you, but they're available. And right. I think that's what we, I think that's the ways we, one of the ways we kind of pin kids in and kind of cage them into our little power structure without realizing it is there's something to be said for teachers, you know, sustainability and saying, I can't be grading 74 assignments in the last two days of school. You're allowed to have hard deadlines. You're allowed to have some structure, but can you be flexible within that structure and as personalized as possible? Mm -hmm. 100%. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: It's a hard, it's a hard thing to learn. I mean, it's a skill to really teach to mastery. Right. And and it's like you said, a lot of those teachers like, no, I'm not dealing with that. If, if you don't have, you know, if you don't pull yourself up by the bootstraps and just uh, get this assignment in time, and right. uh, you know, which is inequitable, it's you know, some teachers just will not consider mm-hmm. it, right? And right. as our school moved to mastery learning and grading, it was it was really hard. Like the the you can hear it a lot. I mean, you mean I got to let a student retake a test as many times as they want? Uh-huh. I'm like, no, you're, and it was always like, no. It's called mastery because we want the students provide them multiple opportunities right. to demonstrate understanding, which goes back to your content, your pedagogy, mm-hmm. how you're delivering it, the expectations. It's not right. just one thing of like, you just shut down. The teacher brain like, I don't want to grade a bunch of shit over and over and over and over and right. over. Right. No, so it's, me do it's more holistic than that. Right. So you get all sure. those questions. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and
1: it feeds into your planning. If you're planning, if you're not able to tell a student, again, in those three modalities of time, present, past, looking forward. If you're not able to say, okay, so you got a 75 on this. Here's what I'm thinking. You, a lot of your, you know, performance writing we're language teachers, right? Performance writing was um, listing. And this prompt doesn't really like call for listing. Like listing is a great first step. I think your next step is. Let's use some of those like huge structures like is, has, um, goes, like I wonder how you can do, let's look back at this. And if you can't reference a previous assignment and go, dude, look, you already wrote this for this classwork and mm. I scaffolded it and you know, whatever, like you can use this mm. on this. And so if you can't reference other assignments to keep that momentum going, okay, yeah, 75, like you, let's go, let's shoot for at least a high B, right? I think you can get up here on this rubric or write more of this, da, 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 da. and And if it's going to take so long to give feedback or to reference those previous assignments, I, I, I question where those previous assignments are coming from because I know when that was hard for me and when all those retakes sounded um, impossible, mm-hmm. it's because I was planning day-to-day. I was buying crap off Teachers Pay Teachers, not because it's crap, because it was like, it didn't talk to it. I was just like, I need something for Christmas. You know, like, right. the Three Kings help, you know? And I was just... I wasn't. I wasn't present in my materials and in my assignments. I was just assigning stuff and doing busy work because I was like, we got to fill 50 minutes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to fill the gap. And so I think feedback is. um, It's easier when those things, when you're so, which is easy for me to say with only a couple of preps. But when you're present in your planning and in your materials, then you can easily, Mm -hmm. you know, reference to a kid to their performance to the future assignments and go. Well, look back at the go formative from the 15th. Didn't you do those sentence structures? I feel like you did really well in those. I gave you mm-hmm. audio feedback. Go check that and then paste those in and then we'll see what happens. Boop. I mean, that was like 10 seconds on a Zoom call or whatever, or a quick email. And, um, and I think that's, that's empowering too because, you know, it's like we get personal training for anything, cooking, gym, guitar lesson, like whatever it is, the person isn't going like, yeah, 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 uh-huh. And they're totally distracted. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're Zoomed in on you. And I think the more we do that for our students, as much as we can, I think well, it's important. also.
0: You mentioned something about you know, lucky you because you only have a couple of preps, right? Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I myself uh, have four preps. I'm teaching a uh, Latin American Studies class this year, and it's cool. new new to me and uh, new to the school. And, uh, cool, and I love it. Um, but it does. I myself find I'm always clear in my organization. Like students, mm-hmm. students will know what to expect, where it's at. Labeling, all that good stuff we talked about. Um, But sometimes the lessons are are day-to-day for me um, in the sense that I always try to make sure sometimes, not all the time, only this year uh, where things are like very (laughs) – just crazy, Mm -hmm. right? And these four preps. This year. (laughs) um, A social studies class, and I'm a a trained language teacher, so it's like – Right. I'm dealing (laughs) – I took it on myself, though. So Ooh, there's something right. to be said for teachers out here that are expected to do these sorts of things and having those units laid out and having those assignments that you said already yeah. backwards planned and uh, um, yeah. that organizational equity part is 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 hard. You mm-hmm. know, it's not easy, especially for teachers yeah. um, that are already overwhelmed. So absolutely, I do want to acknowledge that there's teachers out there that that mm-hmm. want wanna be uh wanna have more uh organization in their in their um, classrooms but for whatever reason they're bogged mm-hmm. down and burnout and the expectations for them are. absolutely but that's another podcast so yep. um but I do I do have a uh, um question for you here. Um have you heard of the old saying you can love someone to failure? Um mm. I think a lot of uh teachers perhaps do this unwittingly or unfortunately they do it through a deficit lens, looking at their students. Um, mm-hmm. And especially now with virtual teaching and hybrid teaching, the desire to let st- our students fall by the wayside because, you know, I put they those right poor little things, they can't do this. I just, Oh, let me give you a hug and fail you at the same time. Um, yeah. So yeah. it seems that um, through what we're speaking here about organizational equity, that perhaps this propensity to lower our expectations for our students mm-hmm. um, can be avoided by providing, like we said, a, a clear pathway to success and multimodal ways of being successful. Blah blah blah. You know, critical self-reflection on our practices. Like I like what you said on this topic. Uh, I think it was on a Twitter post. Right, our students don't have the luxury of waiting around for when we decide to do X and Y. Right, mm-hmm. they don't. They're not like, what? What are we going to? What's? What's Uh, grade, right? Um, Right. I myself, I'm guilty of this sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know you have spoken about adjusting expectations, right? So what does this look like to you? Like not loving our students to failure, taking that pobrecito mindset, that deficit lens, like that student can't do this, or, you know, uh, at the same time, we provide that clear, honest, transparent pathway to success.
1: Sure. I think... I think for me, again, like, I know I mentioned that, that grading structure, but it really did change how I saw things because I am no longer deciding what I'm assessing and how I'm going to assess it and why I can kind of focus on the why and like what we're doing to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this, I think the way that it would be really dangerous to sort of like love our students to failure, which is really easy right now is, um, again, I think about the transparency Let's say, you know, we work on all these things, we post all the assignments, we're ready, and our student emails are going, no, I really just, it won't, what, you know, what do they always say? It won't work. It's not letting me, right? That's always it's the thing. Not letting like, me. It's not letting me log in, uh, but they're using the wrong login or something. Um, and Plus. after about five of those, right, Gen Z, I love you, but like, woof, um, there are some gaps. They, you know, after about five of those emails where they're going, it won't let me, I still can't see. My instinct deep down is, oh, don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. You know, right? Worry. Like, I'll just excuse right. it. Don't worry about it. Like, don't even bother. I get it. I get, Right? And it's like, never mind. Just never mind. Because it's now becoming more work than kind of feels like it's worth it. And I think that's one way of what feels like, I think that feels equitable. Like, oh, if it's going to be that much of a hassle, don't worry about it. And it's lowering our expectations, or lowering our standards. standards, I think. I see yeah. expectation and standards a little
0: differently. Different. I think we yeah. can
1: adjust. Yeah, I think we can adjust our expectations and, and still have high standards. Right. And I have to really come back to, like, center those questions of, okay, does this assignment really matter? Like, really, really, for real, for real. And did I make it like if, if they're emailing, but if two, you know, different students are going, I still can't, it still won't let me, you know, are, do I have the ability either, you know, technologically or just does, does the platform allow for me to post it some easier, easier, accessible way. And if I do, and I stand behind it and I still think this assignment is worth it and they do it, will they be better off? And I think that's kind of what has to guide our thinking because it's really easy to a lot of things to say, eh, don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, It's fine. You can't find it. No big deal. It's not a big deal. But, but it is a big deal it if is. they're going, you know, when they go to the next level, they're going to be it behind isn't. and go, Oh, well, Miss White never made a, you know, all you right. have to say in Miss White's class is that you can't find her. You, you can't, can't
0: find it, it. Then it's a cascading. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Right. Yeah. And, and some of them do it on purpose. Most don't, but we also know that it, you know, sometimes it's, that's not what that's not what's best and it makes teachers feel good because we've felt like because we've made easy the enemy so we've made easy like well our class can't be easy because that means I'm an easy teacher and easy teachers aren't effective which is not true and so now we've made the easy thing even easier which is and it's a thing off of our to-do list because this student is still popping up in our inbox going and so it feels good to go you know what don't even don't even worry about it and it's okay if that's the actual answer but I think it does come back to, you know, can't, so what are we assigning? If that continues to happen, what are we assigning that's so inaccessible or needs 17 logons just to see the stupid, you know, Google drive video or whatever, can it just be on YouTube? And, you know, like you said, the, they don't have the luxury of emailing five times in one class period. Cause they can't open a video. They've got right. other classes, they've got life. And again, how how soon and how often and how regularly can we just use the same platforms over and over to eliminate some of that? It won't let me. I can't see blank. What steps because, can
0: you take to alleviate yeah, that?
1: Then, right. How many steps can we take to alleviate that? And, and that to me also makes the piece of like technological literacies um, a little bit easier because mm-hmm. if it's just like, Quizlet, you know, and you know, you're going to use it every week. Well, then you've, you know, you, you field some of those emails initially, and then like, they all figure it out and they know you have to log in, whatever. But if we can figure out sooner what it is they need to do, I I think, I don't know. I think that is, I think proper planning is a form of love. And I think it's, you know, loving them to our expectations and our standards and, you know, and all those kind of things. But, but you what you're doing or else you go, oh like you said, oh they can't. It's probably kind of hard. I also have to take a look at who we're expecting to have what kind of issues. Mm -hmm. Uh we have a lot of conversations in our school, you know, are you um we're like the 12th most, you know, diverse school in the US or something. And so we just have all kinds of different socioeconomic statuses and all kinds of different it's really cool you know, are you seeing this student or this student email you and say, sorry, my internet's out. Uh, And you're going, Oh my gosh, I hope everything's okay. But then maybe another student's having an issue and maybe, you know, looks different or whatever. And you're going, haven't heard from Johnny, you know, probably have an internet issue or maybe they have a rough home life and you're assuming Mm -hmm. all of these things, whereas you don't know any of that necessarily. And so we've had a lot of conversations at our school, like, are you just loving your students to failure, pretty much, or excusing them from things, which to me is loving them to future failure, Mm -hmm. because you're Mm -hmm. assuming Mm -hmm. that this student is probably fine, they're just going through some stuff, but this other student, you know, they may have, I think we have to also take a hard look at our expectations, but when we look at student performance, like, why... Why are we are we expecting them to perform a certain way and really and and reflect on that?
0: What are those expectations um, Mm -hmm. rooted in and based in a lot of that stuff is uh, that in that deficit lens of looking at certain students? Like you said, we we both know you and I both know those certain students tend to be black and brown students. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, oh, you know, um, like you said, who is what assumptions are we making And those Mm -hmm. assumptions? A lot of times. Are manifested from our own implicit bias, right? Absolutely. Uh, toward these, toward these students that we may not know, we may never be culturally sustaining or relevant because we don't ourselves mm-hmm. as educators know what that even means, right? So yep. you can you can love that student to death, or I like what you said, loving to their uh, future death, right? Is that what you said? there? Yeah, like love
1: them. Like, love, like, can you love someone to failure and can you love someone to future failure? Right. Like, yeah. they're going to fail later on because they're not prepared, but you, you loved on him and you excused him out of stuff in level two, but they're going to go to level three, three and go, I don't uh, know. I,
0: <laughs> she just let me slide because she just thought I was like poor and black and didn't know yeah. things. And like, they just pushed me on. Right. Um, right. And that deficit lens is, uh, mm, is detrimental. Absolutely to, uh, to black and brown students. Like, mm-hmm. and that's a thing that I try to, uh, rail against when I get the opportunity, um, mm-hmm. such as with this podcast, but, um, thinking about those ways we, we harm students. We love students to death. Mm-hmm. And we push them out and say, oh, it's okay. It's poor guy. He's got a bad home life or she's got a bad home life. Um, instead of finding ways, different ways to to engage those students, right? and really Absolutely. Push Give them, them different access points. Exactly,
1: mm-hmm.
0: exactly. So last question here, right? And this sort of will will end on a big one here, right? Um, this kind of leads to my last question. It's about trauma, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I think um, everything we've talked about has led up to this. Um, I want to read a quote um, that I'll link. It's from an article called Leveraging the Neuroscience of Now, right? Right. Uh, and I can't even pretend that I know a lot about neuroscience, but uh, <laughs> this stuff fascinates me between you know neuroscience and education and, and how the brain works, right? Um, mm-hmm. By Mays Imad, I think, where she states, mm-hmm. a trauma-informed pedagogy enables us to recognize that amid a pandemic, our students may have a difficult time completing basic tasks. They normally would including keeping on track of the slightest changes in our classes, organizational Mm -hmm. equity, right? Um, Making decisions about their learning, being motivated to study or to show up, prioritizing assignments, engaging with classmates or the subject content, right? managing Mm -hmm. their time or simply not quitting, right? So what we're talking about today really, in a sense, addresses some of this in this quote right here, especially with the organizational equity. So what steps are you or we as educators taking to address trauma in our classrooms and and how are you or we attempting to acknowledge trauma? And I'll ask you listening to this podcast, what, what are you doing to acknowledge trauma, especially now during pan, pandemic teaching? So what say you, Meredith?
1: I think – I think when we acknowledge trauma or we reflect on trauma, I think a couple of things. I think we have to look at um, big T trauma, you know, which are the moments that we carry with us and little T trauma, which I've seen defined as just sort of the baggage we pick up along the way, just the normal kind of really it for better or for worse things that happen to us across our lives and that stick with us. We, we're we talking now about student trauma how are we addressing like trauma within students and then making our content and our assignments and just school accessible to students sort of in spite of trauma I think to do that we also have to reflect and um, really do some work on ourselves in terms of our own traumas and I say that because I think a lot of the things that we've referenced here like teacher fear but what if um, the emotional pieces of no retakes they had they had all week, you know, or whatever. I think a lot of those things come down to little T trauma for teachers. I know when I have felt like I can't make my class easier or simpler or more accessible, I can't make my assignments shorter. God forbid they be, you know, 10, 15 questions. It's trauma and having worked with people who at some point along the way made me feel badly about those things. So, I think as teachers, we're achievers. We want to do things. We want to do it well. We harbor a lot of emotions that have a lot of stake in how we do what we do. I make things 50 questions because that's what makes a good quiz. And by God, you know, it's always worked. And and I don't know that that's true. I think we have to go, okay, well, says who? You know, who hurt you and told you that you were a good teacher if or you were a bad teacher if? And therefore, how are your teaching practices affected by that? And what are students now getting from this teacher who is affected in these ways? If I think, if I was shamed at some point early in my career um, on something I was doing, probably never going to do it that same way again. And I'm always going to hear that little voice. I think of three colleagues that, two colleagues that made my life really, really awful for three years. And I'm, not, I'm still not sure why. Um <laughs> And, but it was just, everything was territorial and competitive and they didn't share anything. And I still think, you know, on my current course team, which is like a dream come true, we'll go, okay, quizzes are 15 questions. And and there's still a little like Jiminy Cricket that goes, nothing good comes out of fewer than 20 questions. Cause that's some crap they would say, you know? And, and so they're still like, like these little voices, we carry so much of that stuff with us. And so do students. So I think when we're acknowledging the trauma that they have, we've got to look at, what's the trauma we have because that's what makes us complete ostriches to some practices. Like I will not do it any other way. I refuse to post my lesson plans for the whole week because I shouldn't have to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile there's a 15 year old on the other end of that who's only got the computer for an hour a day. And so they're waiting, you know, at seven in the morning for you to post your lesson plans because by gosh, there's no need for, you know, whatever. I think we've got to look at, at the end of this experience, how we, how we made it as least memorable as possible, like in those ways, you know, you want, what you want students to say is, you know, that wasn't that bad. I was worried about, I was worried about Spanish, you know, at the beginning of the semester, but it was cool. Like, you know, Senor Smith was super organized and um, like, we just played a lot of gim kit and it was pretty cool. And I learned some words and yeah, it was awesome. Like, you want to like, if the, the more stories they have to tell, the more anecdotes they have, it's like, you, you know, to me, it's like, no, you don't want to
0: replicate that. Any, any additional yeah. trauma that, that, you know, and that's that organizational equity. It's sort of can address the trauma that some students actually walk into the classroom mm-hmm. with. Right. That's yep. one less, I see it as one less thing on their, their trauma right. plate to deal with. Yep. Right. If we're that's clear, it. we're transparent, we're honest, we're reflective in our pedagogy mm-hmm. and our and the content we're giving them, um, that's just one less thing that they'll have to worry mm-hmm.
1: about. Uh, and it's yeah. predictability. I think when you look at both big T and little T trauma, a major piece of it is it was unpredictable. It just happened. You know, whatever it was, you got robbed, you got mugged, you, you know— um, you've got a car accident i mean those are all traumatic things you know assault sexual assault um little comments by strangers that's a little t trauma but the other the others are big t like all of those things you go yeah you go what just happened what just happened and i think the fewer things we can have them saying what am i supposed to do what just happened like the the safer i'm gonna say a really unpopular thing the safer we can make our zoom my zoom is locked down because my job is to keep you safe we're not gonna do any breakout rooms (laughs) we're not gonna We'll save interpersonal speaking for later because Mm -hmm. I want this to be as predictable Mm -hmm. and mechanized as possible because if we want to really reduce that trauma, if we want to really acknowledge things, we need to be predictable. We need to reduce noise. We need to reduce chaos, all of this other stuff that's going on in their lives that surrounds every piece of it. If they can just come someplace and hopefully our kids have four classes, but four or seven or whatever, places that are a respite from those chaotic, noisy things that are going on that are, that are traumatic in their own ways. You know, to me, that's a win. Um, And if we're adding to that chaos into that noise, again, I got to go back. Why? Like, what are the teacher emotions? What are the teacher expectations here in play that make us unwavering and unwilling to move or Mm -hmm. change or be flexible? It's not, not that it's invalid those people in that department that I alluded to made me feel really, really bad about a lot of things, but okay, it's over. What's the work we're doing to address how we're approaching instruction. And then in that, with that lens, I think we can make that instruction therefore more approachable for students and less chaotic, predictable to me. Prediction is expectation is the name of the game. I don't care if we play Gimkit kit every day. Look it every other day, do an ed puzzle and a senior will eat. like if they can go, oh, it's Tuesday. We're probably going to do Gim Kit. Wonderful. Like I'm trying to be They're as ready. predictable as possible. Mm-hmm.
0: They're ready. Yeah. Or at least in yeah. a certain degree. So, yeah. In um, this article that I'm going to link in the show notes, um, it's full, chock full of links that really um, mm. allows teachers to dive into uh, some deep reading on on trauma. Like, what is it? What does it look like? Yeah. What what ways it manifests itself? Multi-generational trauma. Um, uh, it's just something that interests me, and I think it's something that Same. I think all mm-hmm. of us should do a deep dive into reading uh, more of, so I'll link that in the show notes. But, um, Meredith, it's been a great episode.
1: Yay! Thanks so, for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, thanks for coming. Anytime. You're listening to What in the World? Language Podcast.